welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Iwakim Eriksson, and I'm the host of the podcast, the name of which I just told you and I will not repeat. A name I repeated every time I introduced... God damn it. I used to repeat myself for like 90 episodes in a row. I, I, the intro is so poorly written, and I repeated the in, I said the name of the podcast twice. <laughs> in the intro, it's so stupid. I don't know, man. It's all good. Um, I, this is kind of a throwback format where I used to, where there was this period of something like 40 episodes where I was obsessed with recording the podcast without preparing at all, which is surprisingly difficult because once you have a time in mind where you're like a time slot where you're like, okay, so I have, I have an hour and a half, you know, on Thursday afternoon where I, I would have time to just record a little podcast. And once you have that time slot, uh, fixed in your brain, it's almost impossible to not think about like, what am I going to talk about? But I made I went through great lengths to avoid talking about everything, anything that I had prepared or thought about in advance. And it was very silly. It was like a very silly <laughs> period of like 40 episodes. But it was, it was because of, it was about facing a fear. It was about a lot of things, honestly. But it was, I had some theory about self-therapy and how like when you really just rehashing something that you prepared what are you really doing? Like you're not really getting to truth and you're not really performing any um, self-surgery undermined, you know? Like there's no meaningful self-therapy happening when you're really just sort of like repeating something that you were saying to yourself in the car a day before, you know? So that was like one thing. But then there was also this fear, a fear of running out of material, that I was, that is a long running fear, like just a fear of not being entertaining. It's like a deep seated fear in me that you could put a lot of different labels on it. But it's like, when I was a teacher, it was like, it is why I couldn't be a teacher. It's why I had to quit because I was so afraid every night before going. Like, I would just go to the same fucking stupid job five nights, five days a week. And Every night before going to work, I was just terrified that I would walk into the classroom and run out of material. So I would over-prepare and have hours and hours of prepared material, stuff that would last for hour, for six hours to when I was walking in to do a 40-minute class. So like that was one way of how that fear played out. But then also I would like – another way that that fear played out was definitely – I don't know if it's a form of alcoholism or if it's something that – really was just an impediment for me to get sober. It was a big obstacle for me to get sober, this fear. Because when you go and hang out with someone, this idea that you always have to be entertaining, there's something with alcohol where like, if you just get really drunk, it just resolves itself. Or if you're really afraid, just drinking a bunch makes the fear go away. But 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 it's sort of both. It's like, if you are sober, you get if you're sober in a bar, just sort of sitting with people, it's very easy. I don't know why. It's very easy to just feel like you run out of stuff to say. But if you're just at home on the couch hanging out with someone, there's no pressure and you kind of like, there's something about the expectation of like, you're supposed to be this like fun. It's supposed to be really, really fun being in a bar. So, or at least that's how it started for me. Like I would always be wasted in bars and I'd be hilarious 
people would lose their shit. I was very, very entertaining as a wasted person because it became completely free form, you know? I'm just out here, I'm I'm drunk. But I, I like to stay right at the level where I'm still kind of smart, where I can still like string together like some complicated, really free form joke and then be drunk and take the joke all the way to the, you know, you know, you joke about jumping out the window and then you jump out the window. Like you take the joke all the way, being drunk enough to take the joke all the way. And that means that sometimes you're in a taxi and they stop at a red light and you just sort of roll the window down, climb out of the window. And now you're on the roof of the taxi, you know, you take it all the way. And that's very hard to do when you're sober. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. And there's so much fear. And then when you want to get sober, a big thing is this thing of like, well, what if I'm not fun anymore? What if I run out of material? What if I'm sober and I run out of material? And so a big part of being sober, getting sober, was to just realize that it's okay to just sit there and do nothing. It's okay to not say anything. It's okay to not be entertaining. You know, it's very paradoxical because the moment you let go and don't worry about being entertaining, you become way more entertaining again because the whole thing was just like expectation and this sort of like prison of, I don't even know what, what to call it, but just you hang, it's like you handcuff yourself to your own fear of, you know? Oh God, I find that stuff so interesting. Just the flow of conversation and how different expectations will totally control if you get into a good flow or not with conversation. And many times, oh, this is private, but many times I have felt like I'm on a date with someone and then it's going well and you do a little bit of making out and and then you go on a second date and then it's going pretty well and you're like not totally sure that this is like soulmate stuff going on but you're attracted to the person and the person seems kind of attracted to you and it's going kind of well and and then like second or third date you like you get to this point where you're like you're trying to impress each other and you, you try to impress someone and it gets a little bit harder to to because you don't want to tell your craziest stories and you don't want to like complain about how you're anxious about stuff like so there's all this stuff you're you're filtering out that you're not saying and you try to just say sort of like uh, medium to positive stuff and you try to seem kind of normal and and it's it's like that I saw this meme about catfishing of how it's like yeah I'm catfishing but I'm not catfishing in the sense that I'm actually like 600 pounds and I'm gonna show you a picture of a skinny person I'm catfishing in the sense that I'm like I'm gonna right <laughs> I'm gonna describe myself as this chill person and then I'm gonna act all chill but really I'm not chill <laughs> and, which is also a form of catfishing it's also a form of really misrepresenting who you are until you, you got someone uh, hook, hook, comma, line, comma, sinker. Um, and so what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so you're on the second or third date. And then it's getting a little – you can get into this mode where it's like it actually is a little bit of an uphill thing to think of something to say and to build up a little bit of courage to maybe be like make out a little bit again and kind of lean in and stuff. And then, like, the moment you have sex on the third date, it's like conversation is suddenly so fucking good because that whole construct of 
the expectation or like the challenge of seeing if there's compatibility and seeing if you kind of like, am I going to get enough validation here? Like, am I going to get, am I about to, am I about to be rejected? Like that whole construct of like fear and the, the like work of trying, of, of caring about how you present yourself, all that falls away. So now you don't have any expectations or pressure. All pressure is gone. So now you're just like, chilling in bed naked and you have like the best 45 minutes of conversation that you've ever had with the person which is also like why i think it's so ridiculous how how there is like a in america in in american woman culture heteronormative uh straight woman culture there's this idea that you must not sleep with the man because then he might go away from you because he only wants to sleep with you. Like, <laughs> from my perspective of <laughs> who I am and what I want, that's so funny. <laughs> because it's like, oh, God, I don't care about that part. That's not what I want from you. That is not what I want from you at all. <laughs> I want you to say that I'm nice. I want you to be nice to me, and I want you to give me validation. And you don't. It's sex is fine. Um so I think it's really funny. And then, you know, you have sex and then you just lay there and it's like, and now you're like opening up about childhood and you're being hilarious and you're being light. You keep it light. You go heavy. You like make really, really dark, hilarious jokes. And, and it's like you just, you can bring out your riskiest material, like really risky. You try out new material and it feels so fresh because on the first and second and third date, when you're still trying to build up to something, you're kind of like working. It's like. <laughs> oh god this is turning into a stand-up comedian uh, comparison which is <laughs> really red flag but it's like how a stand-up comedian does the same material over and over for a year building up to try to get an hour what they refer to as an hour you want to have an hour of material so you do it for an hour and then you get your hour but when you when you do your hour in front of the camera as a stand-up comedian and you do your special i'm sure it's so boring and so heavy and it, there's so much precision and it's really work and then when you just are in a place where no one knows you and you're trying out new material and it's going quite well that has to be just like a much better feeling new fucking material Anyway, so the point is that, like, for 30 episodes when I started the podcast, the first 30 episodes or something, I was trying to, I would, like, write things down and print them out and have a piece of paper in front of me. And then I got too fearful. of My old fear of running out of material came back up, and I wanted to rebel against it. So I did, like, 40 fucking episodes of making a very, very deliberate, weird effort to not prepare. And if there was anything where I accidentally prepared, I would accidentally think about something that I was going to talk about. Then I would like make a point out of not talking about that so that it was just this moment. Like it was just, you are here in this present moment with me, listening to me get like, just click into this cognitive rail and just let it rip, you know, just pushed a little uh, hot car. What are they called? Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. Hot car. <laughs> hot car. It's like the fucking dollar store version of Hot Wheels. The logo is all shitty and the fucking the fucking printer ran out of fucking red color when they printed hot, hot car. <laughs> hot car. I cracked myself up. Fucking sweet, bro. I Dude, I was hanging out with Doug today and 
when I say hanging out, hanging out, I mean, I was at work, okay? I worked 12 hours. I was at work, and for a bit of it, it was me and Doug in the office, and I accidentally spoke Swedish to him. And I do that sometimes. He was saying something, and I really agreed, and I accidentally said, started saying the word verkligen, which means just really. So it's like an adverb. It's like verkligen, and then I was going to say some other thing. Just really, yeah, I really agree with you or something. But the thing is that you can accidentally make a noise and then play it off and then just lead it into uh, language. And it can seem like you were just warming up your voice. Like, it's very funny how there's that super relevant thing that happened in the last few days where like, and I don't exactly know how to tell the story, but this is like a very, very funny thing that happened that I don't know how to tell it um, almost in like a sound equipment sense. I don't know how to tell it because it involves screaming. And it's hard to, I don't know how the screaming, I don't want to scream into the microphone because I'm going to fucking destroy your your speaker equipment. But so I'm going to do it with without super screaming, but I'm going to still try to explain what happened. So it's super basic. It's just like this. I'm at work. The phone is ringing and I pick up the phone and the person starts talking like this. And I'm going to push the microphone away just to uh, so I can scream a little bit. The person starts. I say, <laughs> I say, thank you for calling Holbrook Hotel. This is Joachim. And then I don't say, how can I help you? I it, we Everyone has to say that, but I don't because I um, embrace individuality. <laughs> this is, that's a little inter- – that's an inside joke with me because that's one of our corporate values. One of our corporate values in the corporation I work for is embrace individuality. And then the corporation gives you a script that you have to use. So I don't use the script completely, and that's how I – and and if if the corporation was like an an AI, that would be like an internal contradiction for the AI, and smoke would come out of the machine. But that's not the point. The point is that the phone is ringing, and I pick up the phone and I say, "Thank you for calling Holbrook Hotel. My name is Joachim." And then the person goes like this: "I was gonna make a reservation." That's how the person started talking. They just started. Actually, it was longer. It was like, I was going to make a reservation. And it's like the scream was the I. The scream was the person saying I. And then we're talking and like five sentences in, uh, five sentences in, I'm asking like, what date did you want a uh, reservation for? And the person goes, I wanted a reservation for 13... No, I wanted a reservation for the 13th. And look, this is not like a teenager pranking me. This is like a 90-year-old woman. And I mean, look, I it, it was enough. Like the per- If the person really seemed like they were on the brink of death, it wouldn't be funny. And if the person really seemed like they had a severe debilitating medical thing going on, then it wouldn't be funny. But it was funny because it's a person that just screams when they hit certain vowels, (laughs) just like an absolute out of control primal scream when you hit certain vowels. Like you're just talking and talking, you're going along in the sentence. And then when you hit uh, certain vowels, it's just, that's just, you just get stuck. I mean, again, look, man. Okay, 
um, weird comparison here. I think more than once. One time I've noticed it, but it's probably happened more than once when, without me noticing. I think sometimes when I pick up the phone, what I'm talking to is a computer. And I've noticed this, and it's like an incredibly interesting thing because it's like th there used to be – they actually um, – It's actually defunct. They took it out. They decommissioned it because it was weirding people out. But Google used to have a kind of expensive premium service of having a virtual assistant where you could pretty much just send a quick text message to a uh, chat bot and ask the chat bot to call a restaurant for you and make a reservation. And then a robot voice would call. But the robot voice would not announce to the person that picks up that you are a robot voice. The person would, the, the robot is pretending to be a human. So I've picked up the phone and had a person be like, hey, I'd like a, a reservation. And then you're like, okay, so for when? And then it's like, I would like a reservation for the 7th, 7 p.m., four people. And, the, and it sounds really, really close to human But it sounds, it's just a little bit like the timing is just a little bit off. And there's something about it that seems a little bit like just the intonation in the sentence isn't perfect. And so then I remember talking to this person slash robot. I don't know what. Turing test, you know. I remember talking to Mr. Turing and being like, And 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 asking slight and asking weirder and weirder questions just to see what would happen. What's going on here? Like. Because you can ask a guest a kind of a weird question without seeming completely unprofessional. So I remember asking weirder and weirder, weirder questions and the, eventually the computer just sort of like, yep, that'll be all. And then they hang up. And um, so it, the reason I bring that up is because this person is a little bit like, I imagine it being like a 90-year-old woman that's been half replaced by machinery and and uh, sort of uh, a large language model like it's it's like a malfunctioning biomechanical old lady you know chat gtp chat g gpt grandma you know so it's like she's talking but she hits a vowel and it's like this bump in the road and she's just like you know I would like to make a recipe. Yeah, anyway, I ran out of steam on that story. Let's drink a water. Well, I mean, okay. The point of everything I was just saying is that, like, the, I I I did 40 episodes there where I really, really tried to not prepare. And then for a long time now, I've just entered this other state of blissfully just thinking about life and thinking about stuff and having thoughts that I find myself to want to think more about and to just be like, I want to think more about this on the podcast. And that's the whole thing. And so I just think about myself and I think about my sobriety and I think about problems I have and mental health and just funny stuff that happens. And I think about it and then I don't prepare. Or if I do prepare, it's more like the part that I prepare is the part I don't use. The part that I prepare is like the land is like the takeoff. Yeah, you know, Does that make sense? You think about something and you think about step one and two and three and four of the thing, but one and two and three and four can be quickly summarized when you start talking about it. And then what you really talk about on the pod is step five and six and seven and eight, and you like really take it all the way until you 
run out of steam on it like I just did on that fucking old lady AI thing that got really boring there at the end, and then you have to just pull the plug on it. Uh, oh God! Oh God! <laughs> it's like I'm. It's as if I'm trying to be funny. I'm really not trying to be funny. Well, that's not true, but I did. I wasn't trying to be funny there. Uh, unintentional pun of. Uh, yeah, pulling the plug on an old lady there. Um, but so um, so for a long time, I've just been in this rhythm of once a week I record a podcast and I talk about just, you know, something that I've been thinking about a little bit this week that I'd like to think more about. And then this is a space for me to just sit with myself and my thoughts and not be on my phone and not be stressed out and not worry about stuff, just like... To just sled down the fucking snowy hillside of 90 minutes of audio. You know what I mean? It, it, it just has this sort of like, just let the gravity pull me down. Just let the old... Man, I wish I, I knew those words in English for what it's called. There's momentum and then there's like energy that's bound up in you because of your location. Yeah. Hey, if you're an English speaker, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the point of what I was trying to say is that this episode accidentally almost is a throwback to that 40 um that 40 episode period when I would really really try to not prepare because I've been really really focused on something else this week. So I really have not made any space in my mind for just thinking freely, which really it's like because what I've been doing now is I'm finally making, I'm finally turning this novel that I wrote into an audiobook. And it's something I was trying to do for a while. And I made this, I finally got to where I really started putting it together. And then I was like, it was like the day before April 1st. So I was like, and I started, I just did like five minutes. And then I was like, okay, so this is kind of naturally coming together here where I need to be able to do this. I need a deadline for myself because I'm clearly, this is kind of work. Like it's kind of hard work and I need, I'm, I don't really have the discipline to just enjoy myself through this process. So I'm going to have to force myself a little bit. So I need a deadline. So let's say April 1st to April to the last of April, just uh, let's check how many days are there in April? 31, 30. What are we dealing with here? 30. Okay, and now it's April 15th, and what have I done? I've done a third of it. And the thing is, I did the entire third of it in one day. And I don't think that's bad because I think... So now I'm going to talk about this process, okay? And if you think that's boring, turn it off. But I'm just going to sort of... I'm going to unpack it a little bit. I'm going to start... I'm gonna, I think I'm going to talk about it chron chronologically. So first chronologically, I had the idea, right? That's the first thing that happened. I had the idea. And then did I execute on it? No. There's a lot of stuff between idea and execution, you know? There's a lot of things we don't really have words for there, you know? The fucking drawing board, you know? You're sketching something out. I'm fucking vision boarding in my sleep over here. And then what that really means is you got to Google it a little bit. Before, you know, in this... In this world today that we live in, you have an idea and before you can execute, you have to do a little bit of Googling. And the thing, you know, that I keep discovering that I fucking love when you, 
now in the year of our Lord, 2023, if you want to do something, you can probably do it. That's what I keep discovering. So when I, w- I had the idea and then I was like going to just start recording. And then I had this thought that like, whoa, what if I spend a bunch of time making an audiobook? And then it turns out that like, you need some sort of contract or like that that I need some sort of representative or like there's some legal, you know, what if, what if there is no platform where I can just upload my thing? Because I know that there's Spotify where you can just sort of like be and there's absolutely no barrier to entry <laughs> uh, for, for good or bad, you know, no barrier to entry. I'm just out here, you know, um, I'm just out here, white guy podcasting. But so I, I, a fear struck me in my heart. And I was like, what if I make an audiobook and then there is no audiobook platform? So I was, I, for some reason, I just assumed that I could get my fucking book onto audible.com, you know, the fucking Amazon uh, audiobook platform, which is kind of an annoying platform, but at the same time, it's a big one. And it's annoying because you can't actually go on there and just buy a book. The only way their model works is that you have to sign up for a monthly membership and then each month you get one book. So that every time I want to listen to an audiobook, I have to go through this ridiculous song and dance of promising Amazon or like pretending like I'm going to be a monthly subscriber now. But really what I do is I just sign up for one. I sign up, I get one credit, I use that credit to buy one book, and then I fucking cancel. And it costs me like 20 bucks a month, 20 bucks. It's like, these books are kind of expensive. But so I'm like hoping to get on there. And then I Google it and it's, yeah, it's fine. It's just called ACX. And there's a back end and you can just sign up. And you you can put your book on there and find a narrator, or you can sign up as a narrator and pick a book and read that book, or you can read your own book. It's like exactly how you would want it to be. You know what I'm saying? It's exactly like what you would want it to be if you just wanted freedom and like a techno-utopia of being able to create and share freely. So if we can keep, stay on the techno utopia uh, thing for a second. Oh, this is, this is a hassle. This is, ooh, this is a real shame here because I will have to do some editing to tell the story because it's really about the audiobook because I guess I can do this and I guess I will do this. Oh, God, this is just the thought of this is making me exhausted because I don't sleep at night. I have a job where I work 12 hours a night, 12 hours a night. That's so dramatic. <laughs> I walk in the snow uphill both ways. Um, I I work a lot, dude. And then I come home and then I make an audiobook and then I make a podcast. And then also I'm trying to talk to some women, you know, like I don't get enough sleep. I There's not enough caffeine in this world, man. For me to talk to women. So so it's like some of these women, I don't even have time to respond and I want to respond. Um, but so the point is that like I've been, I, I was recording the podcast and I, act, no, I'm recording the audiobook and I actually was talking about this last week when I was talking about the audiobook that there's this thing called sibilance, which is an S sound, a sharp S sound. And Swedes have really sharp S sounds because it's something in our accent that just produces a really sharp S sound. Whereas Americans have these like lazy, softer, much nicer to listen to S sounds. 
when it comes to the really sharp popping noises and stuff, lazy is the way to go. Because lacy is really smooth. You want all the sounds to be pronounced and lacy. It's like you want to find that perfect balance between mumblecore and, I don't know, AI talk? Because, like, the AI is way overpronounced. Alexa is so overpronounced. Um, so the point is that I recorded a bunch and then I listened to it and my S's are fucking obnoxious. They're way too sharp. And so I did this thing that I've I've heard of how they are, are DSers. And it's just so endlessly fascinating to me that we are in a time now where you can buy a cheap computer, 200 bucks. 200 bucks gets you like a basic laptop. You know, if you go Lenovo, 300 bucks gets you a really really good computer. So you spent 300 bucks and now you have a computer for like 7 years. And then on that computer you can download Audacity, which is a free, very, very good, completely standard, super mainstream audio uh, processing and recording software, right? And then on Audacity, you can download free plugins. And there is like a DSer plugin. Now, there's ones you can pay for, and you pay 30 bucks for a company called Waves, and they make a really good DSer or some shit. I don't know. I haven't tried it because there's a free one. And it's just made by some guy on the Audacity forum, and his name is Paul L. It's like, how cool is it? These are the heroes of our time, you know? These nerds that just write programs because they're curious about solving the puzzle of, how would you write a program like that? Or, or like, I would like, like, these are the unsung heroes, and I taught myself a little bit of programming and I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm out here trying to talk to women, you know, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get particularly far into it. And I did a little bit of it and it's kind of fun. And once you gamify it for yourself in your mind of like, there's a goal of a thing that you're trying to give shape to and you want an input and then an output, it's like, once you have a use case in your life, it becomes a lot easier. Like I had, I wrote a very simple program, which was like a weird, very specific mathematical calculator for my specific tax bracket, because each paycheck was different because I was a server. And um, each paycheck, my tax rate was different. And so I never knew what it would actually be. But I always knew how many hours I worked and I knew what my credit card tips were. So I had like the data, but it was just like, I just didn't, couldn't never figure out how to do the math. But so then I figured it out one time and I just put it into a piece of software that I programmed so that I had this thing that I could open up on my computer and run the software and just in two fields input how many hours I worked that pay period and what my credit card tips was for that pay period. And it spit it out. It spit out this number. And it was like within like a few decimals, it was perfect. And then I get paid three days later. And what I get is exactly what the software told me I would get paid. And it was so fucking satisfying. And when you have that usage, like when you have that necessity in your life, um, that, that makes it a lot easier to fucking write a piece of software. But anyway... I'm so blown away by what is out there for free. And so I recorded all this audio. And the fascinating thing is that I, the, there's a problem. The problem is S sounds. 
that I pronounce S sounds wrong. So there's two possible solutions. One is um, watch a lot of YouTube videos where a speech coach will tell you how to not do it, how to create a softer S sound. And I talked about that a couple of episodes ago where it's like, you take the tip of your tongue and instead of letting it be at the absolute very front of your mouth, producing a sound like this, sharp, Sweden, sharp. Sharp is not a good, because that's not an S sound. You fucking stupid Swede. You stupid Swede. You hear that? That's stupid Swede. (laughs) Super sharp, stupid Swede. Anyway. (laughs) Oh God, so circular, so meta. Um, But what you want is, you want the tip of your tongue to go, to, to never go all the way forward. And so instead you want to be like, Stupid Swede, super stupid Swede. And it's a much softer S sound. And then if you practice like that, but it's better. But then if you accidentally bring your tongue even further back, it turns into a lisp where it's like super stupid Swede. And then you have these results, right? Of like too sharp, just right, or uh, a lisp, basically. Like the S sound turns into a TH sound, which is a lisp. So that's the results of the speech coach route of trying to solve the sharp S problem. And then the other solution, the other path, it's like use this piece of software to remove the super hard S's, right? So here's the fucking crazy part. (laughs) Okay. Oh, God. Will I be able to edit this into the episode? I think I will. I'm going to do it. So I'm going to play you now a piece uh, this is what the this is what a recording was in the audiobook. Um, oh God, it's so embarrassing because it's like this. Oh God, <laughs> it's so private. It's so stupid and private. Oh, I have to just do it anyway. So I'm gonna now play you a part of my audiobook that I'm very I'm very embarrassed about everything in my life, but I'm most embarrassed about this. So I'm gonna play you this, and so first thing I'm gonna play the raw audio of just super sharp S of how I talk. Very annoying. Let's play that here. Reach down into the water and stir whatever sleeps beneath the surface. This is all very private and only... And then after that, so that was super sharp, uncomfortable S's. And then now let's play the part where you move, where you use the de-esser to make it softer. That sounds like this. Reach down into the water and stir whatever sleeps beneath the surface. This is all very private and only... And then the way the DSR works is just that you have a sliding bar. You slide it from left to right and you decide how much um, you want to fuck with the frequencies, at what frequency is the threshold for where you want the DSR to kick in. And so it's the crazy thing is that it's exactly like the tip of your tongue against the roof of your mouth. It's the same sliding bar because this is what it sounds like if you slide the bar too much up the roof of your mouth slash use the software too much. This is what that sounds like. Reach down into the water and stir whatever sleeps beneath the surface. This is all very private and only like, do you understand how fucking crazy that is? That the result of using too much DS or software is the exact same thing of too much speech coach? Like, We have free tools on the internet that have these crazy abilities. Like just the democratization of the techno-utopia that we're living in is fucking crazy. 
And I just wish it extended all the way into music making software because I just paid 500 bucks for a piece of music making software. And I think that's kind of a lot of money. I think that's kind of a lot of money, but I paid it. And, and then as soon as you're like, oh, so I want to reproduce this sound. Like I want to get this effect. And now you have to pay another 50 bucks. I want to make sounds that sound like the guy in White Lotus. Here's what I got to do. So I broke up with Dr. Luke, my old time, my, my, my best friend for years of my life, Dr. Luke. I broke up with him. I haven't talked to him for like two years or a year and a half or a long time. And probably two years, bro. It's fucking insane. Nah, that's not right. I haven't even worked at Holbrook for two years. It's been like one year. Jesus, I have no idea how long it's been, actually. It's weird. I tried to look in my email and stuff when we last communicated. It's weird. I think it's been about a year, but it feels like many, many, many years. Why does it feel like many years? Is it something... I think it's something, COVID did something to everyone's conception of time. I really wonder about that. Will that ever be properly explained to us, what happened there with our perception of time? Because for some reason, it's like you have this like extremely long feeling period where you wear a mask at work. And then one day they just say no. And now you don't wear a mask. And then suddenly it feels like it was an incredibly long time ago that you wore a mask. And it's like, now, I don't know, like my ability to, it's very surprising. It's very counterintuitive because it feel, it seems, I would have guessed <clears throat> that if something clear happens to everyone, that will just function as a milestone that makes it easier to tell time. Because it's like, yep, that was the beginning. But somehow there's a feeling to it that's super disorienting where I, it, things feel totally different. Like, okay, I just had to sit and think in my mind and do a little bit of counting. And I was in Seattle for about a year of the pandemic before I just fucking gave up and moved to California. And now I've been here a little bit more than two years. I don't know. A lot of my perception of time is about like where I live and stuff. And, you know, it's just like, because there's a, there's a, there's a rubber band quality to it where, when you move to a new place, everything is new, so your perception of time slows down, and a month feels like a super long time because you have all these new experiences. And then when you've been in the same situation, in the same place, in the same job, with the same people for a long time, you get into this like, um, this like accelerated state of mind where like each day is almost identical to the next. So you can go a whole month and only make a few memories really because you're just zooming through it because everything is so smooth and easy and comfortable. It really goes hand in hand with ease versus difficulty. Like you move to a new place and there are all these kinks to work out and you really feel like, I don't know, I really do feel like I'm fucking tired after like, you grow up in Sweden. My first 19 years, I just lived in the exact same small town. That's not really true. I lived for like 15 years in the same small town in my mom's house where she still lives. And it's just like everything was exactly the same. And it just feels like this one little period. And then everything after that is so tiring. 
of like you move to China for a few years, you go back to Sweden for a year and you're completely confused trying to reintegrate to Sweden. You go back to China for like five more years or six more years and then you go to Sweden for like six months because you get fucking deported from China and you're like completely lose your entire identity and then you go back to China and then you move to America and it's like there's so much um, stuff to figure out about it's I feel like my eyes are burning. I just want a good night's sleep. It's so annoying because I say all that stuff and it really sounds like bragging. Like there's something almost about the English language where like it's so hard-coded in in American English to when you talk about travel and living in other places and stuff that it just is hard-coded as, nah, that's uh, that's not about English. It's hard-coded to be bragging in every language. So yeah, I would like to I would like to scratch all of that from the record. I would like to take all that back. But the reason I brought up Dr. Luke and then got confused on timelines and stuff and and how long has it been or whatever. The reason I brought him up is because Dr. Luke introduced me to this other fella, Asher, who's also he's like a pediatric fucking doctor or whatever. He's a pediatrician and he made the intro music for my podcast. And the thing is, when I broke up with Dr. Luke, I tried to talk to Asher a little bit, but like we kind of, mm, I don't know, I didn't want to push it and he didn't really respond a whole bunch. And then it just felt like Dr. Luke lives in New Zealand and I live in fucking America and we're just friends on the internet, which is why we're just friends on our phones and we visit each other like every 18 months or two years or something and just kind of hang out. But we just talk on our phones every day. And that's a part of what felt unhealthy about it because not having an actual in the room in real life um, connection made it a little bit toxic where we became more negative than necessary towards each other. Where like if we were hanging out in real life every day, it would be different. It wouldn't be necessarily all easy, but it would be very different. And so Asher lives in New Zealand and they're friends in real life and hang out in real life all the time. And it just felt a little bit like weird for me to keep talking to Asher and keep trying to talk to Asher when that's Luke's friend. Even though Asher wasn't taking sides and he wasn't trying to be difficult or do anything. So I just haven't talked to him. But I think I do need to reach out to Asher now because I am trying to make music and just because it's, I'm so, as I've talked about now many times, it's very, um, it's very much a, a meta experience of just trying to teach myself how to learn something and enjoy learning something and get into a state of learning where I'm still comfortable the whole time. And I'm just, I don't, because my whole life when I learn stuff, I just tense up and I, I make it really torturous and I immediately start negative self-talk about why don't you know everything about this already and I make it super negative and I make it a horrible experience so more than trying to learn how to make music what I'm trying to learn is I'm trying to learn how to learn in a in an enjoyable way so I'm just doing this complete blue ocean new thing of trying to teach myself a new thing but but then I end up in these situations where I do feel like man it'd be a lot easier if I just sat next to someone who knows how to do this so I could ask these really direct questions and you can ask very direct questions and then you get a YouTube video of someone with a weird accent like someone with a South African accent just explaining this like 
incredibly specific question that you have about a specific software doing a specific thing in a specific like you know you know what i'm talking about like how funny is it that you can google anything and you get a little three minute video explaining exactly what you're wondering but it would also be interesting to in a context of a friendship try to have an exchange and learn something because that's another way that I've always shut myself off and made learning super negative, that I just decide that I have to do it all on my own and it's it's embarrassing to ask for help. And then you end up, it has so many negative knock-on effects to be really incapable of asking for help. It's so It goes so hand-in-hand hand with alcoholism and, and narcissism. Like, it's so, you, you end up learning a thing and existing completely in a vacuum. And even if you get really good at the skill, you are, you have no network. Whereas if you just learn with people, you just end up existing in a context where the skill, where how and when and like in which view to apply your skill, it just becomes much more logical. And it just becomes much more realistic because you're just surrounded by people who also use and apply and hone the skill. Whereas if you just do it on your own, dude, you're fucking just, it's just a slow process of losing your mind is what that is. So, um, yeah, I think I need to reach out to Asher. That feels, that feels important to me. Yeah. It'll obviously also be a, a weird check-in where you're like, you're like, you have like a girlfriend that you're really serious with for a long time and then you break up and then like a year and a half later, you, you just haven't talked to her for a year and a half and you just are so still, your heart is bleeding and you just wonder how she's doing. And so you, uh, uh, pseudo casually reach out to her friend. <laughs> And then you work it into the conversation and you're like, oh, you know, not that this is why I'm talking to you, but like, how is she doing? Is she good? Is she dating someone new? So that's how I'm going to do with Asher and be like, just, you know, just work it into the conversation. How's Luke doing? Oh, I'm such a piece of shit, dude. I'm such an absolute piece of shit. I should just fucking give up on it all. I'm an absolute fucking stupid Swede. Oh, God. Stupid Swede. I'm a stupid Swede. Yeah. I don't know. If you couldn't tell there, I was trying different ways of saying the letter S. And my sample sentence is negative self-talk. <laughs> it's so funny to me for some reason. That's like, oh, it's like a Rorschach test where like, okay. Or it's like one of those like really basic like uh, university student in psychology asks you to to try out a pen, try out three different pens and see which pen you like more. Just do a little bit of writing on this piece of paper. And then the test is actually about what do you write then, you know? And then you write like, you know, <laughs> you, okay, oh, you want me to try this pen? Oh, you just want me to write whatever on a piece of paper? And you write like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I want to, I want to rape, I want to rape someone's mom or something, you know? You know, my dad doesn't love me. That's your sample sentence. Oh, you want me to try out this pen? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I think my stepsister is hot. You know? <laughs> oh, it's so stupid. 
Oh, that's so stupid. Oh, that's what this feels like. You know, oh, Joakim, just come up with a sample sentence using a lot of S's. Uh, yeah, my name is Joakim. I hate myself. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. Okay, whatever. We have to drink some water now because it's fucking 2 a.m. and I have to go to bed. It's a very big day tomorrow. I have a wedding to run tomorrow. And I, there was a wedding today and there's a wedding the day after tomorrow. <clears throat> it's a big it's a big life. It's been a long year and I'm tired. So this one, the brand is called Culture Pop. Culture Pop Soda. Orange Mango. Orange Mango Chili and Lime. It's like four different words. Orange Mango Chili and Lime. Four different flavors. But you know, hey, it, most cocktails on a cocktail menu have four ingredients. It's all, I'm not saying slightly spicy and slightly sweet. They definite, definitely overthink it on the right. It's like just, you know, the point is, you know why Coca-Cola is so good? Because they don't write on there. Hey, so this is going to taste a little bit like nutmeg and a little bit like vanilla and a little bit like cardamom and a little bit like fucking molasses. No. They don't pick it apart for you like that. They just give you one flavor. They just say, we're going to call this cola. And you're not going to know what's inside because we're not going to tell you. And flavor exists only in the context of what we prime you to expect. If we call it cola, you're just going to be like, oh, yeah, this is one flavor. And if you give me this culture pop soda and say, okay, so look for four different flavors, then... Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go, I'm going to go fucking, oh, why do I curse all the time? Whatever. Ooh, that smells good. I'm going to drink this whole can. I can tell. I, You know what? I'm such a pro. I record these podcast episodes. Every single time after the episode is over, I pour out all the water. Because all I need is two sips. Oh, God. In a moment, uh, there's a metaphor in there about like, it's like I go on three dates with someone and I know, you know, I know. But then, you know, I finish the can just, I finish the can because I feel obligated to finish the can. I drink the entire can and it takes two and a half months to like have the entire romance and like let the whole thing play out. But it's like, okay, Maddie, stop listening to everything like it just is about you. Like, not a, Maddie, stop being a narcissist. Not everything is about you. Just fucking relax. Just relax and listen to the podcast. Just don't make everything about you. <laughs> Maddie, whatever I say, Maddie messages me afterwards and is like, <laughs> upset. <laughs> oh, it's funny. It's funny because I'm like that too. Okay, this smells delicious. I'm going to try it. That is just so good. I think it's the mango that makes it good. First of all, it's good because... If you just called me, called this something, you were just like, yeah, this is the fucking Easter Island juice, you know? <clears throat> if you just call this like Papua New Guinea, <clears throat> if you just call this like, you know, tropical marrow, just give it one concept. I would be like, yep, this is one very held together, cohesive concept, and I wouldn't have to pick it apart. But because you prime me and name it four different flavors, I'm gonna start picking it apart. But really, it's just like one very balanced, damn, this is good. You know, here's the here's the um, ironic thing about me uh, calling um, 
calling out Maddie is that she gave me this. She gave me this. She came over to my house and we were hanging out and she gave me two cans of sparkling water and this is one of them and and this is amazing. Oh, you just want to keep drinking it. It's like, it's got this tang, it's got this spice. One problem I have though when I record my voice is like, I get a really wet mouth, you know? <laughs> wet mouth sounds bad. A wet enough mouth makes a noise when you just open your mouth and it's like, oh God. That is not what we're going for. That's why I'm a pro. I just have one sip. One sip gives you no burps and you don't get a super wet mouth and then you can review it and get perfect audio quality. Because for all this like talk of self-therapy, what the podcast is really about is perfect audio quality. I feel like there was a tangent there before that I wasn't done with, that I didn't, I think there was some loose ends in what I was just saying previously, but, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just intended to, I have more thoughts about the audiobook thing. So here's a very universal thing that I've noticed in life, in creative work over and over that I find very, very fascinating because it's such a weirdly tough pill to swallow. Like it's so hard to accept that this is true. And I, so it's this, when you do something and you care about it and you want it to be good and then you do it and it comes out and you think it's good enough and then you accidentally lose the fucking thing you did. You like the hard drive fails or you didn't save it properly or it disappears or your dog eats your homework, whatever it is, and you are forced to do it again. The realization that you are forced to do it again is so painful because you fucking finished it already and you were happy with it and you're so upset and now you're like what if it doesn't come out as good again here's the thing every time that has happened to me in my life whatever creative medium we're talking about whatever the content is doesn't matter every time that happens i then do it again and then i have this big realization about it. I just it just comes out way better. So with the audiobook, for some reason, I did this thing last week where I sat for like seven hours and recorded, you know, 70 pages of audiobook. And when I say 70 pages, look, it, the way it's going is like this. I read a paragraph and then somewhere in the middle of the paragraph, I I misspeak. And I don't mean that I like very, it's just one syllable just doesn't get the right, it just gets twisted a little bit wrong, or it comes out, it's just like a little bit of a misread, or it just doesn't have the flow or cadence necessary to really make the fucking poetry of this incredible writing get as punchy as it needs to be. So I'm like, okay, fuck it, scrap it. And then I just delete the last 30 seconds of the waveform, and I do that paragraph over and over. And so I read, and I do pretty much every part twice. Like, eh, I, I, I'm toying with different ways of doing it, where like, <clears throat> it, it might be better to sit down and read a page out loud, not recording it, just with no pressure and just practice the page first and then do the first time around or then with the first time I'm recording is actually the second time I'm reading it. Like that's, I'm landing on 
I'm sort of orbiting that. I'm sort of getting closer. I'm realizing that that's probably a better way to do it. Because when you start cold, your first time doing it, the pressure is on because you're already recording. And then when you make a mistake, it's easy to be really negative about it and be like, God damn it, I fucked up this take again. And then you have to go back. And so all I'm saying is like, I did seven hours and it was fucking hard work. Seven hours, 70 pages. That's about what happened. And if I do the math there, that really means that, yeah, that means it's hard work because really a page should be a lot faster than 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Seven, no, 10, no, six minutes. Six minutes per page is what that would be. But Oh, God, I don't know if that math is right, because it is 2.21 a.m. right now, and I'm not totally sure. But here's the point. Last week, I did that for seven hours. I read 70 pages. And then um, I was listening to it a few days after, and I was going to edit out some silences, and I was just going to, like, even it out and smoothen it out. And there was one part where I literally saved more than one take. So I was, like, going to compare the takes and stuff. And then I'm listening to all of it, and I realized that after about, like, 20% into it, like, in somewhere early on, I just had this idea that I was like, let's just have the microphone way further away from my mouth so that I can have the book more clearly right in front of me. Because if the, if the, this big, you don't see it because this is not like a fucking vlog, you know? You don't see it, but I have a very big, like, there's a lot of different equipment on this microphone to give you this like perfect fucking studio audio that you like there's a spider it's called a spider for some reason it's like the it's a contraption so that the microphone is actually hanging on threads and then there's like my um mic stand and then there's a pop filter and then there's all the cords there's a lot of stuff so when the microphone is right in my face it's actually sort of blocking my vision a little bit and so when i was reading through the fucking tapestry of microphone equipment it was making me fuck up more because i was i i, I it's just my, obstructing my view of reading from the book right so <clears throat> somewhere in in the process like after an hour of reading into this one hour into my seven hours of reading, I just had this idea that I'll just do it with the microphone way further away from my mouth, <laughs> thinking that that wasn't going ad- ad- <laughs> to... It's so funny. It's such a newbie thing. It's like, I think everyone knows that that would influence the sound and probably make the sound a lot worse. And that's what happened. So for some reason, I recorded six hours of audio that's not usable. You know what I'm saying? I recorded for seven hours and one hour in I just pushed the microphone really far away and I just read from the book and then listening back to it I realized that those the latter six hours of work there were not usable it was just it was gonna have to go in the trash because it had this echoey quality because the microphone was like trying to pick up a, a voice from far away but it's then picking up the whole room Whereas when I, when I'm really close to the mic, I can really just like, I can just do a noise reduction filter and then I can just boost it to normal volume. And the stuff that gets boosted to normal volume is fucking crisp like a, you know, crisp as all get out. I'm going to have another sip of that delicious. So this is a 10 out of 10. 
fissy and gutsy probiotic soda, culture pop soda, orange, mango, chili, and lime. You just run to the store right now and go get this. It's from a big company, too, in Massachusetts. I think that's what M.A. is. I think Sudbury, Massachusetts. Sudbury? Is that real? Suds? Anyway, that is just so delicious. But so, it was a very, very tough thing to accept yesterday that I needed to just re-record everything. And so I sat down and I did it again. And this time it just had this like incredible flow to it. And I just could really feel the stuff. And I I really sort of got into these different characters. <laughs> it's so stupid. I'm just in my house, dude. But it really is, I gotta say, it's really tough to record an audiobook for 10 hours and then sit down in the same chair with the same microphone and just be like, okay, so now I'm going to record a two-hour podcast. Like, you have to be a really sort of, I don't know. I do think, I do things and they melt my brain. There are certain activities I do nowadays and I do them and they, it literally feels like I'm melting my brain. And this was kind of in that basket. This was some brain melting shit. It's like, I just felt like it's too repetitive. It's too one thing. It's too much just, I don't know. Oh, that concept of repetitive is really like, it's so surprising to me how what is and isn't repetitive. And so much of choices I've made is like, I've tried to go away from what seems repetitive. But it like this feels like it should be creative work. To write a novel should be creative and to to turn it into an audiobook. But it's like these are the most repetitive things. I don't know. It's not exactly the right word, but there's something about it. Lonely and fucking repetitive. But um yeah, anyway, so I sat yesterday for yesterday I did more than seven hours. I I I recorded more than 70 pages. I recorded 100 pages. I just, and and I did it in one go because I believe that to make it consistent, it's probably good to do few sessions and do long sessions where, because if I do 30 minutes a day, each 30 minute is gonna, you're gonna be able to tell the difference. Like, you know, I finish one chapter and then I go into the next chapter the next day and it's like, my voice is going to sound different because it's a new day. Like there's so much about the voice, like when you wake up and 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 if I just do it in really long sessions of recording, my voice will probably change from hour one and hour 10 of recording is probably going to be different because I will have developed fucking cancerous polyps on my vocal cords. But aside from that, there will be a change, but the change will, you will be eased into that change over 10 hours, so you won't notice. So I think next week, I'm on a day off, I'm just going to spend another 10 hours, and I'm going to do another 100 pages, and then the week after, I'm going to do another 100 pages, and we're going to let it rip, and it's going to be perfect. And, you know, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to have friends when, when I make that schedule for myself? Like, I work... 12 hour days and then I work five days a week and then I have two days off and then I make that schedule for myself and it's like when am I supposed to talk to when am I supposed to talk to a girl you know I'm trying to oh god but I just have to get this done because um it's um 
I, I need the sense of completion of having really done it and really tried it. And then I need to move on from it. And now knowing that this isn't the creative form, this isn't the creative practice that I enjoy the most. And going forward, I will much more, and that's maybe, I mean, I don't know if that will stay true. Maybe I will one day have an idea for a voice, for a novel, for a nonfiction book or for something where I would just feel like I can write it and write an entire book in a way that will be a pleasant experience. But I really doubt it because there's something about writing that's just painful. I just believe that. I think really good writing is very painful. And, you know, I have no idea why I believe that. It's just, that's what it was like for me. Sample size, equal sign, one. Sample size, one. Uh, but also, Joan Didion is the best writer ever, and she would always write about how she hated everything, and she hated herself, and she hated herself when she was writing, and the whole thing was extremely painful. And some of her best writing was like when she would, she was really, really sick, and her throat was really hurting, and she was drinking whiskey to make the throat not hurt. And she was just this extremely skinny, malnourished wafer of a of a lady who uh, had a little bit of whiskey with lemon water and just cranked out some of the most beautiful sentences that anyone has ever seen. And it's like, do I really want to get in the water with someone like that? Like, do I really want to compete with that? <laughs> that's the other thing. Uh, anyway, God, now I, that's, now I became really, now that's, I don't like that. I don't like why, who I am now. That's, let's not be that person. I don't want to be that person. So yeah, but yeah, I do think that there is something that not every creative form is the same and not every, like, I think that there's something just inherently pleasant in music making where you're like kind of vibing with it the whole time, but I'm probably wrong because the more I'm sort of like doing it and trying to come up with something, the more I realize that mostly you just sit there and listen to something that doesn't sound good. Like to get to to arrive at something that sounds good, you have to sit there, just like with writing, you have to just, so like, if you're trying to program a goddamn beat, you're sitting there and you just listen to the first one second of like a thousand instrument racks to just see which one, which one is vibing, you know? So you just sit there and listen to literally 800 bad ones in a row. And then you end up with like five candidates that you're considering. But it's like, you just listen to 800 bad first five seconds of something. It's like absolute torture. So maybe, you know, maybe everything is the same. Maybe maybe all creative work is work, you know? Sex work is work. Creative work is work, you know? But here's the thing. Work is not work. Everything is work except work, you know? Sex is about power. And power is about everything, and everything is about sex, except sex. You know? Here's the weird thing. Like, I I don't know. I'm, I'm constantly so surprised by... <clears throat> and I, I don't think I really grasped this before taking this promotion and, and going into, like, full-on management. I don't think I really grasped how... Continu- like, how unfailingly interesting it is to try to manage human beings. Like, because it, when you have two subordinates that you're trying to manage, it's like 
their way of relating to each other is so infinitely complicated and so uncalculably unpredictable. And you, it's more, it's like a fucking dance, you know? I don't know. I think what it reminds me of, which is one loose end that I was talking about for like, that I was talking about like an hour ago in this episode, which is that, that, the act of like, you go on a first date with someone, you go on a second date, the conversation is a little bit tough, but you're kind of into it and you're kind of like, there's some potential there. And then you, on the third date, you have sex. And the moment you have sex, all expectation falls away or all pressure falls away and the expectation changes completely. And now you, you're not trying to prove yourselves and that you get into this incredible flow. What I was thinking about saying that is how that is like, it re-raises this question that I am so interested in how we don't have really have an answer for it of like, what is, um, what is it to hang out? Like, what is it to be two friends who spend time together, who talk to each other? Like, what is that? Because um, on the face of it, it's, it's sort of like, oh, what it is is that you're saying, you're producing fucking complicated air with your mouth, which is language, which is talking, which is communicating, which is information that you're, sh- you're, you're sending information from you to the other person. But it's like really not information though. Like it's really not about the data. It's really not you like just listing off information, what you're doing when you're hanging out with a friend. What you're doing is something like you're vibing, but like what is it to be vibing, you know? Vibe check. McVibe, what is it? What is vibe check? So it's something like, it's something like attention where you're like deciding how much to agree or disagree and like how much to go, how much to just go along with each other and how much to go against each other and how much to, and it's like not about anything. It's so fucking weirdly meaningless of an, it's such a fucking waste of time that we would like die if we didn't do, you know? Like we're, if you don't engage in the exercise of fucking hanging out with someone, AKA having friends, you'll die from loneliness. But it's also like such a weirdly meaningless thing. I don't know. It's like, it's so weird to me that we don't have a more clear just answer to what it is. Like, what is it? What are you doing when you're talking to a friend? Like, Is it just that you are talking through your emotions and you're like, you feel a little bit lonely and you you do like a check-in and you like reconnect and reconnecting is to explain everything to your friend that's been going on recently. So now you feel connected. Is it like the act of feeling connected? Because Because the act of feeling connected, having that be contingent on them knowing actual sort of factual things about you and your most re or in your like recent past and your current situation and stuff, it for some reason that feels so shallow to me. Like, shouldn't it just be that you can just go out and not talk and just not that you know, not not talk? Can't you just go out and just talk about ideas and not talk at all about what actual practical life is about? And then that's also vibing, you know. That's also McVibes. That's also feeling connected, which is also like 
how some people probably this is extremely hypothetical because I'm such a like language centric, incredibly locked into the prison of language person that I I am not like this, but I imagine that there are people who like you know, you're like five girls and you like hang out and then sometimes you don't see each other for a while and then you like go out and you just dance. And you like hang out and you drink and you dance and maybe you chase boys and you don't really talk and you don't really like catch up in this sort of data sense of like telling everyone about what fucking Janet at accounting did to you or whatever. Like you don't complain about work. You just go out and you dance and you change, you chase cute boys and you, you try to get railed by a mile of dick. <laughs> that's that's what Max Loring always said. He, he always used that expression. That he had so many crass, crass, horrible expressions. And they always cracked me up. Oh, man, I'm such a good audience for toxicity. Like, I really don't want to be toxic and don't want to be horrible. But, like, if you got horrible shit to say, I'm like, I'll laugh, dude. I'll laugh. And what is that? Like... Is it to laugh at each other's jokes? Or is it different things to everyone? Like, what was it when me and Max Loring... By the way, Jesus, I'm such a grudge-holding piece of shit. Max Loring is another friend I broke up with because he, he wronged me one time. <laughs> he wronged me one time. And I just broke up with him and I was like, I'll never talk to you again, you fucking piece of shit. But also, he is kind of a piece of shit. And when he wronged me... A lot of people came at me and were like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of why Max is not like a close friend of mine, because he's like an unreliable piece of shit. Because just to recap, previously on, previously on this week in sparkling water, this is a literal previously on this week in sparkling water, because I absolutely talked about this because it's my life. Um, when I moved from Seattle to California, I had just gotten a driver's license and I was a little bit worried about driving a big U-Haul truck multiple states across the entire, entire country with everything I owned. So I was like, I'll take a friend and I'll like pay them a little bit of money to go with me and I'll pay for the hotels and we'll make it a road trip. And then I'll pay for them to fly back to Seattle and they can just drive with me. And it'll just make the whole thing more enjoyable and less stressful. And also I'm not that good of a driver. So maybe they can do most of the driving. So he was like, yeah, I'll drive with you. We'll do it. We'll do a trip. And then uh, day of when, you know, I'm moving. I don't have an apartment anymore. Every, I've rented a U-Haul truck. Everything is in the U-Haul truck. Day of, he just doesn't pick up the phone and he played video games instead and just didn't and just fucked me, you know? Like just didn't even tell me no. Just didn't pick up the phone. And that made me so mad. It made me so mad that when I moved to California, it was also like, I was also moving away from the state where he was living, which is a kind of natural way to stop talking to someone. But I was also like, fuck that guy. He's not my friend anymore. So, but as I'm saying this, I think I need to reach out to Max Loring and be like, how are you? I, I We had a lot of fun. I really do enjoy your company. You're kind of a piece of shit. You identify as a villain, but people who identify as villains in reality are usually just rude. Like, it's just sort of a, an, a a weird, oblivious way to be rude and then to call it, oh, I'm in my villain era. Like, it's just, it's not that cool, actually. Like, I'm not stoked about it. Um, but so, yeah, like that, you know. 
like that. I have, I, I, yeah, no, what I'm saying is that I think out of everything, like there are many things that I am sort of almost infinitely fascinated by, like what is consciousness and stuff. But but I think the thing I'm most con- uh, most fascinated by, because what is consciousness is a little bit like, I think I actually have an idea of what consciousness is, and I think I actually ran out of fascination. I think I'm kind of good on it. You know, what is consciousness is a question that's so fascinating that you can listen to about seven podcasts about it. And then after that, you're like, yeah, I'm good. Like, yeah, it's like consciousness is this thing, you know, like where you feel like this. And that's what it is. And like, we don't really... You know, we don't know exactly which of these squishy bio parts does it, but it's like this thing where you feel like this, and then I'm good, you know? But the thing I'm most fascinated with in all of life is the thing of what is it to hang out? Like, what is hanging out? Like, what? Wh- why are we talking the whole time? And like, what is good hanging out? What is bad hanging out? Because um, I, I recently, this is kind of a weird one, but I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to talk about this. I, when I was like 15 and stuff, I was, you know, when you're 15, you're in like seventh and eighth and ninth grade, like that era, I had a lot of friends, I would say. And I had, you know, I had some friends that I had been friends with for years. So they're sort of like very, they're, they're like friends from childhood that you're trying to maybe, they're, you're realizing that they're not cool enough and now you're in ninth grade and you need shit to be, you need people to be a little bit cooler. So you kind of drift away from them. And like, it's like the birth of ego. Like we become kind of like, I became a little bit narcissistic. I became a little bit concerned with self image and reputation and I wanted to seem cool. And so you care a little bit about who are you spending time with and who do people see you spending time with and stuff. But then I was also always like, um, quite dynamic in the sense that I would fucking hang out with a lot of nerds because in the end, the, they are my people. Like really, really depressed nerds are my people. And really, really depressed nerds are not exactly like high value poster boys of cool in ninth grade. But, you know, I had to stay true to me. But at the same time, I was also kind of like interested in the idea of being cool so I ended up also being friends with a lot of girls. So like there was definitely like a friend a friend circle of girls that I sort of was friends with some of them and they would just invite me along and it just seemed cool to to be like the guy who hangs out with like four hot girls. Like you're in ninth grade. It's so funny cuz like <laughs> <laughs> if I were to belabor the point too much on how they're hot, then it it quickly becomes um, inappropriate for me at 37 years old to describe these ninth graders as, as hot. But I'm saying it from within <laughs> within the context of the narrative of of me as a ninth grader. I thought they were hot, and <laughs> I it's, that's actually a different conversation where it's like I remember. My the birth of my sexuality was it's so fucking interesting. I remember the beginning of when I was like probably in like fourth or fifth grade and I was was like attracted to these girls. And I it was really like 
not about genitalia yet. Like I didn't, I wasn't fully connected to my genitalia and I had no conception of their genitalia. So it wasn't, I, I was like sexually attracted to them, but it wasn't, it had very little to do with genitalia. So I would like, I would like lay awake at night and imagine sexual scenarios with girls. And it would like, I remember imagining girls naked and the, and it they would be like it would be like the girl's body in a dimly lit room with like a completely black background, but like her genitalia would also be um, sh- uh, not lit. It would just be like dark, like there was no light on it, so you can't see it. And it would be like the rest of the body would be there because I don't know. It's just so funny. That's how I don't know. And then it would actually remember being like attracted to this girl who like tried to bully me. And it turned into this like really weird psychosexual thing of I would like imagine sexual scenarios with her tied up, but like not her genitalia, like her genitalia, she was naked and tied up and her genitalia was like shaded out and not present in the fantasy. So fucking interesting. And like she barely had boobs. But I do remember like the boob part the boobs I had, because, like, there was, like, cleavage and boobs. And it was really, I was growing up in an era of, uh, it was before the internet became fucked everyone's brains up. And I feel very grateful not to be in fourth grade now. Because I think in fourth grade now, I would still develop some fucked up weird, I think it's actually, I think what I'm describing is actually very healthy. Where it's like, it just was a slow process of introducing a new one thing per year you know slowly these things get introduced per, one thing per year you know first you're just attracted to, and then boobs and then you give it a couple of years and then like maybe another body part and another body part and then like the vagina stuff and the genital stuff happens like when you're ready for it and you you like see the first vagina it's some sort of like god damn it that's a fucking wholesome thing i just said anyway um, so I remember anyway, being in ninth grade and just hanging out with, getting to hang out with the cool girls and being like very close friends with the cool girls and the hot girls, like many of them and always being like attracted to them and them not really like I, like in eighth grade and ninth grade. No, I had some weird girlfriends. I had some girlfriends. I remember in seventh grade, I actually had a girlfriend who was like three years older and it was fucking crazy. And, but, but that's, this does not, and not everything has to be bragging, Joachim. You can fucking relax and just like make the point you're trying to make without like sidebar, bra- just like humble bragging. Sidebar humble brag over here, you know. <laughs> it's like it's like that guy that plays Doctor Octopus or whatever, Benedict Cumberbatch. Sidebar humble brag. <laughs> Imagine sidebar humble brag. Okay, whatever. The point is that I was friends with these girls, and it became a thing where oh god, can I talk about this on the podcast? This might be. This does not yet does this seem sensitive at all because it's all so far in the past, but I'm about to make a comparison to present day that might be incredibly inappropriate. 
Um, but I'm about to make this a comparison anyway, because <clears throat> this is my podcast. We're like fucking hours in. We're like, no, we're 90 minutes in. But no one is going to listen to this, so we're all good. Um, I remember being friends with these girls and really feeling like maybe I was smarter than them. And maybe we didn't, they weren't depressed, and I was always depressed as fuck. So there was an angle of how they didn't always fucking get it. And also, they weren't depressed, so we didn't actually really connect. But we did really honestly talk about a lot of stuff, and we spent a lot of time together. And I did really enjoy their company in some way. And then it was really supported it was really a part of it was really about the ego of it and yeah I think I'm going to talk about this because it's just honest a part of it was the ego of it because it's cool to be in a school where there's a hierarchy and there's the cool clicks and there's the loser clicks and there's the hot girls and there's the ugly girls and there's the cool guys and then there's the fucking gray blob of the most people that have no personality and to be hanging out with the cool girls a lot and be like I remember like the coolest fucking girl I had such a crush on her I never got to we stayed we were friends for like 10 years we were like really good friends and I remember like when she lost her virginity um god there's so many I could tell you so many stories about this girl that uh say so many things about my psychology like we literally had these moments where she came at me and like whispered to me and was like, I think I have a crush on someone. And I literally thought she was going to tell me that it was me. And then she like literally told me that it was some fucking guy who does sports. <laughs> and my heart just sinks. And I'm just so devastated that I thought it was me and that she was doing a bit. And it, she wasn't doing a bit. She was just like confiding in me that she had a crush on this guy who does sports and then she, and then, so this girl then lost her virginity to a guy who does sports. She was like in seventh or eighth grade, she lost her virginity to a guy who lost sport, does sports. I had not lost my virginity. I maybe had a handful of boob or something, you know, maybe a little bit of tit, you know, maybe made out with like three, four girls or something. Like I wasn't like the world's biggest loser, but you know, with, you know, I, I like to, I like to play it. I like to slope slow burn you know it's all good you know so wholesome i'm the most wholesome toxic person anyway okay don't get derailed now joe kim don't make it you know benedict cumberbatch mr sidebar humble brag you know don't do it just stay on stay on track here she lost her virginity to some guy um who does sports and then like right after he left she called me and talked to me about it for like an hour and she had lots of things to say about it. And I remember feeling very, like, it, there was so much ego in it where I felt like, well, yeah, I didn't get the fucker. But it's cool that she, that we had this good connection and that I was the first person that she called and that we're close friends. And I am really, like, you know, just trying to figure her out because she's so different from me. And it's like, I'm really fascinated with just, like, this stuff. And then it's really... F it's like there's a part of it where it's really I'm just like attracted to this girl and she's not that interesting maybe but but <clears throat> I think I've always just felt like maybe everyone is a little bit interesting you know maybe if you really wanna 
anyone or anything can be interesting. Like maybe all these meditation exercises that I do 20 years after this story takes place, where it's like, notice everything and notice, just do a meditation exercise of noticing how nothing is boring. I'm noticing how every moment is actually the same and we are just present and constructs like boring or exciting are extremely fleeting and they don't hold up to scrutiny and they go away the moment you peer inward and everything can be everything can be interesting everyone can be fascinating like however boring of a person is in front of you if you just really sit with them there's infinity there you know there is oneness with all of it I'll have one with everything, says Buddha, when he orders a fucking hot dog in Chicago. I'll have one with everything. Everyone is one with everything if they allow themselves. And I think I already felt that even in eighth grade where, like, I could glimpse the infinity of anyone. And so I was friends with this girl. Or maybe I just wanted to, like, uh, have my brand be associated with her brand, you know. Or maybe I was already a Buddhist. One of the two. <laughs> absolutely no middle ground like there is literally no middle ground there but anyway so oh god let's let me just mention so i'm in eighth grade and this girl calls me and she's like i just lost my virginity to that guy who does sports and then she describes all these things of like how she was so shocked that when they got naked there was a part of it where his penis wasn't hard enough, so he started furiously masturbating in front of her to make his penis harder. And she was, like, so shocked by this. It's such a wholesome era, because I really, really believe that most eighth graders now have watched a lot of internet porn and that nothing like that would shock them. But to her, it was like, literally a new idea that someone would be allowed to like touch themselves in front of someone else. Like when you're naked with another person, you're only allowed to do missionary sex. Like that was the frame of reference. So like doing anything other than that and having to do anything other than that to support missionary sex uh, was just shocking. Like not that she really thought it was wrong or right or hot or not hot. She was just shocked and she told it to me as if it was shocking and i just didn't re i wasn't really ready to have an opinion yet <laughs> i was like a few years away from being ready to have an opinion on if that is shocking or not and i was like okay huh he's he had to furiously masturbate a little bit in front of you to get hard to be able to put a condom back on and then you had sex, and it took a little bit longer than you wanted, and it hurt a lot. And then the moment it stopped hurting and it started feeling good is when he was done. And it was like an incredibly unsatisfying experience. <laughs> okay, yeah, shout out. Shout out. Oh, God, I want to say her name so bad, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to because there's probably a handful of people who listen to this and are friends with her still because she's my friend still and you know we're facebook friends um oh god and i really care about her and i never yeah anyway 
the the comparison to present day that I was going to do is like now I'm in this workplace and it's like God, I really can't make the comparison. It's too much of a no. I can because I can say it like this. I mostly am not making decisions like how I made decisions in eighth grade, but it's very interesting to notice in your mind that those factors are still factors, that somewhere in the animal part of my mind, I still notice how there's a hierarchy in us socially, and some of us are the cool ones, and some of us are not the cool ones. Notice there how I didn't uh, put myself in either group more than the other, Um there's a hierarchy, there's cool people, there's not cool people, there's people who want to break into groups, but there's also just people that just don't, because we're old enough and nice enough that no one is really trying to shut anyone out. Unless you're like being like a negative, like very deliberately being a bad, annoying person, unless you're like very deliberately refusing to work on yourself and make yourself a bad person, you're invited. I'll invite anyone. Like, I'll, I'll, we will all invite anyone. We're all grown good people that are not, walls are coming down, brother. I'm 37 years old. You know, I'm not in eighth grade anymore. I'm not at Rinkhuskulan anymore, which is the name of where I went to ninth grade. Um, <clears throat> so, but part of my mind is still aware that those things exist and there are there is a ranking and there are some people that just are cool. And there are some hot girls that are just the cool hot girls still. And then I recently just found myself just like over and over hanging out with like the four hot girls or whatever. And not, it's it's like, it's interesting, man. And And then feeling like, yeah, these people are not depressed. <laughs> these people are not depressed. So I kind of like don't really connect with them completely because they're not depressed, you know? Like these people don't have the darkness in their cup. Like they don't wake up every morning and grab a coffee cup and just put and have real darkness in that cup. Like I have darkness in my cup, you know? Like, I fucking hate being alive, you know? And that is my fucking, you know, if you were, if we had to like have three little fucking decorative pins on our shoulder to, you know, bumper sticker, you know, if you have to pick one bumper sticker to fucking define yourself the most, minus that I'm like really, really, really depressed. And so these people aren't depressed, and I kind of only, you know, I have never felt closer to anyone than it's tied for the first spot is people like my ex-wife, who was a incredibly depressed person. Dr. Luke, who is like, like we are all, you know, one really bad session of being the victim of cyberbullying away from killing ourselves. Like we're all fucking, you know, we know the edge. What does that mean, we know the edge? It's what people say in some movie from, some fucking gangster rap movie from the 90s. <sighs> yeah. Knowing the edge. There was a song called Knowing the Edge made by like Ra Rakim or something. I was on the soundtrack for that movie. Anyway, know the edge. Know the ledge? No, know the edge. Um, so... You know, now in present day, I also, like, find myself hanging out with these, with this, like, group, this, like, 
group and it's not like we're everyone's welcome you know but you know everyone's also very busy so maybe not every time you know maybe they're still vying like maybe we're still posturing maybe we're still doing stuff because of ego maybe sometimes we don't feel totally connected and we just like still show up because it seems like the cool place to be and maybe you just kind of want to like be friends with hot people because they're cool which again raises the same question of like so what is it to hang out like what is hanging out one thing of hanging out is to be really connected because you're both fucking depressed as fuck. But then maybe it's also valid hanging out to be spending time with someone that you just think they're so cool and you just kind of want to be around them. And you don't feel super connected to them, but you just think they're like really cool. And then there's all different kinds of people. Like I'm really fascinated with spending time with people who are like not smart, but there's something about them. And like, I can feel how I don't want to make any, any sentence I say, like, <laughs> like I feel myself being like, you know, 15 words into a sentence and just being realizing like, this person is not going to follow me all the way through if I keep going with this sentence. I better fucking dumb this down and keep this simple here. Because this person doesn't have that kind of, that's not their quality. But then you, they still have something to contribute that's like really cool. Where they tell me something that I didn't get, that I didn't get. And I think I'm so fucking smart, you know. But like they bring something that I don't smart enough for, you know. They say a stupid sentence that I'm like, God damn it. I'm too smart to realize that. And then it like you realize that it's hollow earth theory again, where you like, if you travel all the way into the center of earth, then gravity kind of direct, it, there's both directions. And if you jump really high up, you kind of like flip around and then you like land, land on the ceiling and then you can do it again. And this is a reference to the movie um, Kong versus Godzilla with Millie Bobby Brown and a ton of other celebrities, a couple of Swedes, hollow earth theory um yeah there's something about stupidity and smarts that's a little bit hollow earth where you're like you can kind of stand and look up at the ceiling and someone is standing at the ceiling because the ceiling is their floor and your floor is their ceiling and it's really not that they're not smart it's just that they have you have your entire life applied your smarts in just a very specific direction and then they have applied their smarts in a different direction. And so there's very little overlap. And you just spend time with someone that's different from you. And it's just cool. And maybe, you know, maybe it's fucking not enough to just spend time with depressed people. And then maybe you have to sometimes also hang out with people who are really different from you. And then maybe there are different reasons why we hang out with people. But it's interesting to be 37 years old and find yourself hanging out with people because it's because because they sit at the cool table. Anyway, we got to drink another water. Oh, man. That was way too honest. I love all you guys. I just, I just want everyone, I, the people I hang out with, I love all y'all. I just want y'all to know that. Uh, so this one, God, they put so many words on these. Absurdly tasty probiotics, vitamin B12. Those are three very different concepts, but you put them next to each other. 
absurdly tasty vitamin B12. Okay. Uh, Hum brand probiotic kombucha, zero sugar, peach tea. Ooh, just going to have one sip because there's probably caffeine in this bitch. No refrigeration is necessary. So load up your pantry. Okay. Oh, Jesus, I just poured a little bit on the floor. I forgot about gravity. I forgot about gravity because of hollow earth theory. I thought that if I just keep this can this way, the liquid will fall upwards into the ceiling, which is someone else's floor. Okay, let's smell it. Peach tea smells like peach tea. Mm-hmm. That's not very good. That tastes like fake sugar. Oh, fake sugar on my floor. I spilled it on everything. I don't know. Was there anything else I wanted to talk about with the audiobook or whatever? What is it to hang out? So Spotify has this feature where if you're listening to this on... Now I'm going to do this um, inverted thing where like Apple users are... They're gatekeepers. They do gatekeeping and they keep people out and they don't let you sit at the cool table and they think they're at the cool table and I want them to fucking die, Okay. I want you to fucking die if you're a gatekeeping fucking iPhone user. But anyway, let's let's move on from that. Um, if you're listening to this on Spotify, and if you're listening to this on uh, on Apple Podcast, then I'm sorry, you're not part of this conversation because you're a fucking loser and you think you're sitting at the cool table, but I want you to fucking die and that, that table you're sitting at is not fucking cool at all. You're sitting at, you're sitting at a, look around you, bro. Everyone at your table is a fucking loser at your fucking Apple iPhone cool people table. Everyone is a loser. You're wearing the same black turtleneck, all of y'all. Anyway, if you're listening to this on Spotify, um, there's this new feature that they launched where you can kind of scroll down while you have the episode up and there's a question. And the, the canned question that's in there for every podcast now is that the question is, what did you think of this episode? But as a podcast maker, I can go in and change the question. So I changed it to something like, uh, would you fucking die for the sparkling community or something dramatic like that? Because <laughs> I'm like such a fucking, I don't know. I'm just a little bit extra. You know, my whole life I've been looking for the word, the right words. Like, what am I a fucking, do I have a personality disorder called being an artist? But no, none of those words apply. I'm just a little bit extra. And so I'm a little bit extra. So I went in there and wrote, hey, would you, how much of your life would you, how much of your family would you sacrifice to be a member of the sparkling community or some shit like that? But so... The cool thing would be if I write different ones for each episode, because I do have questions. And then the problem is that I don't, I'm not good at like, when people tell me shit, I pretend, uh, I pretend like this is not a monologue and then people comment on it. And the thing is, I never have a response to your comment on my monologue. My monologue is, look, bro, I'm pretending not to be, but I'm a narcissist. Like, I just care about my voice. Like, I'm here for me, you know? <laughs> I'm just here for me, you know? Like, I don't really have a response to your response. God, I'm such a piece of shit. But that's the truth. That's the truth. What I feel... It, it, whoa, 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 whoa. I just glimpsed infinity. I just realized that, no. 
commenting on the content of what I'm saying misses the point because this is hanging out and hanging out is not about the content. It's about just vibing. And so if you send me a message commenting on the content, all I feel is, I don't even know what you're saying. All I feel is that you're vibing with me. All I feel is that you're here sitting with me in the tall grass, man. And we're out here in the tall grass and we're blood now. We are bound together by like a promise older than time itself. You know, this is Viking shit. We're fucking pillaging, bro. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna invoke like something about rape, but it's like, it's not, it's this, uh, no. We don't need to we don't need to go there and be all like that. It's not that fun of a concept to invoke, you know? Um in any even, you know. Um but so this podcast podcasting is to hang out and it's not that you learn something from me. It's not that I'm teaching you information and it's not that you know, it's so many things that it isn't. It's it's so fucking weird because it's like it's like so hard to define what it is to hang out. Why do we need to hang out with people when they don't give us information and when it's just a little bit of tension and when it's like you have to drive all the way over there and you this could have been an email and it's like cheaper to not – it's cheaper to just be alone. You save money and – like there's so many weird in-between hanging outs. Like we need something and we're not honest with ourselves about what it is. Like it's so like sure in theory, everyone is honest and can say, yeah, I don't want to be alone. I need people. I, I want friends and stuff. But then we do this weird stuff. Like there's this cafe like a hundred yards from my house because I live in North San Juan and North San Juan is a literal one road town with like – three buildings on either side of the road and most of the buildings are dilapidated and unoccupied. But so there's one cafe and one bar. So the cafe is open at noon, the bar is open at midnight. And then in between them, there's like one store. No one ever buys anything from the store, but the store has a big stoop or like a big just cement platform in front of it. And people just hang out there. And it's this weird thing where like, they don't even really talk. Like, I go at noon to the cafe and get the Cuevas Rancheros because they're wonderful and they brew excellent coffee and all of it is very good there. It's a great cafe. They have wonderful smoothies. Ask anyone about it. Ask Kelly what she thinks about the Ridge Cafe, you know? And Kelly is her last name. Um... Everyone loves the Ridge Cafe. People sit outside of the stupid little gift shop or whatever. They just sell hempy fabric little trinkety fucking crystals. But everyone there is poor and no one has any money and no one spends any money. But they all just sit in front of the store. Every day at noon you go and there's like 12 or 16 people sitting in front of the store. And they don't really know each other, but they just sit. And it's so random. Like they have... Three, four of them always have dogs and the dogs are off leash and just running around. And the dogs are much more honest with themselves because the dogs literally run around and smell each other's genitals, like what everyone wants to do. But the people sit just with themselves pretending like they don't like 
pretending to be uninterested in the other people around them. But really, it's like, bro, if you were uninterested in the other people around them, you would just be sitting at your house. But you made this effort to come all the way out here and just sit there. It's exactly like a bar top. Like you go to any bar in America and there's like a bar top with like 14 bar stools and people just sit on the bar stools and they don't really talk to each other, but they just need the closeness of each other. They just need the presence of other people for the sort of simulation or I don't even really know if that's a simulation because maybe that's enough. Like maybe the thing we're hanging out where we use our, use our mouth holes to make complicated air and form words and talk, maybe that part's completely superfluous. Maybe hanging out and McVibing is just sitting next to each other. Maybe that's it. Maybe I've completely misunderstood it and everything else is, is fucking extra and un, like unnecessary. Maybe next time me and Maddie hang out, we should just sit next to each other and just watch TV without talking for like 40 minutes. It's so interesting. This one time I invited Joey, the bartender. I don't know if he was even a bartender yet. No, I think it was, it was early bartender life for him. I was a server and I was just like, you know, this one time I was, I was like, Hey, want to go get in and out burger? And he loves meat. So we drove to Auburn and got in and out. And then, um, a month later, I was like, hey, you want to, like, eat something after work? Like, I'm going to make some food at my house after work. And it's late, but we're both night owls. So we get to my house at, like, 1230 a.m., and I boil a bunch of water, and I make Chinese dumplings that I bought at the Asian grocery store. Like, boiled dumplings. Jiaozi. And I had the dopest condiments, sweetened vinegar, like, proper Pearl River brand sweetened vinegar, Perfect for dumplings, dipping, and crunchy peanut chili oil hot sauce. Chili oil, not hot sauce, chili oil. It's not the same as hot sauce. Hot sauce is an American concept for something that's ridiculous and shouldn't even exist. And like, they should be ashamed of themselves. But chili oil, on the other hand, is a thousand, like thousands of years old, this concept of chili oil, man. It's just you infuse oil with chili and you give it a little bit of heat, but there's a richness to the oil and you crunch up some peanuts in there. You toast the chilies. Maybe you hit it with like some near burnt garlic, finely chopped, you know, chili oil on dumplings, sweetened vinegar, condiments, you dip it. And so I make him this food and it's fucking incredible. It's like some of the best food ever, but... I play it off like I'm chilling, like, you know, everything I eat is this good. Because here's the secret. Everything I eat is that good, you know? I spent $6,000 on food last month. Partly because I pick up the check too much. <laughs> nah, that's not exactly true. That's an exaggeration. But I spent $6,000 on something on a credit card last month. I actually, thousands of, thousands of dollars. Oh, God, why did I just... Why did I lie like that? It's like um, a lot of it was uh, tax, tax. I, I had to pay a bunch of money in taxes, but I spent way too much money on food. And um, <laughs> it's funny how, God, it's interesting how McVibing, bro. It's like you McVibe and you, you listen to other people's podcasts and you McVibe with them and you explore what different things they do in terms of vibe. 
And then you just try that vibe on. And I think other people lie a lot on their podcasts. And I think sometimes that rubs off on me and I just like McLy. You're McLyan. Um, but anyway, the point of what I was saying is I made this like good food. Me and Joey were hanging out and I was like constantly on my phone trying to pick some music for us to hang out to. And then he was just like, or no, I even turned, no, no, not music. I turned the TV on. And then he was just like, bro, we could just like talk. Like we don't have to have TV, you know? And it just really, it had been a few, it really made an impression on me because it was really, he really won that one somehow. It felt very competitive and it felt like he won because it felt like the competition is to just be comfortable and I lost I couldn't do it. He could tell that I need, like, I, I was anxious. I was dealing with my sobriety issues, you know? I was dealing with, I was being an alcoholic. You know, takes one to know one, Joey. Takes one to fucking know one. And that goes both ways. You really knew me in that moment. Speaking to Joey all of a sudden, even though he hasn't listened to the podcast for like 50 episodes. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> God. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm fascinated with what is it to hang out? What is it we need from each other? Because we're so weirdly dishonest about it. So oftentimes I go to the Ridge Cafe and I have their amazing Huevos Rancheros around noon. I roll out of bed. I might do it tomorrow. It's tight. It, the problem is people have this thing where they say, oh, yeah, you go and you wait like 45 minutes for your food. I think you're going at the wrong time. I never go on the weekend. I never go when it's busy. I just roll out of bed at a weird time and I, I go and I, I get it. And it's quick. It's delicious. It's so fresh. You know, their sauces are so flavorful. But so I go and I like to sit on the little patio out there and I like to look at the hippies. And there's like 18 hippies. And now I mean like hippies like i am not using this term lightly these people have dreads these people wear everything they wear is hemp all their colors are like weird muted colors they do not no one in that group of 20 people sitting in that stoop has voted in a presidential election for probably four cycles you know, like these are people who are completely disconnected from mainstream society and they are incredibly anti-devices and social media and all this stuff. So they're sitting on a stoop on, a, I don't even know what to call it. It's like there's dilapidated buildings in the mountains of Northern California. I don't know what to tell you. There's like a big cement platform in front of it. I don't know what words you would use for this like fucking architecture that's going on here, but like there's an overhang. It looks like an old Western town, like with those flappy, um, flappy Wild West sort of cowboy uh, gunslinger flappy doors to the saloon. It's like three old saloons, and one of them is, and the the bar is literally called uh, the Brass Rail Saloon or something like that, and it's taken exact Javi Javi told me he's been in there one time and he was exactly like the movie from dusk till dawn <laughs> which is so funny and I've never I live 
120 yards from this place, I've never been in there because I just know that they serve alcohol and probably a little bit of terrible food and I don't drink alcohol and I only eat good food. So I'm sorry, you know? You're rubber and I'm glue. Like, what do you want me to do? Freestyling. I got bars. Um, so what I'm fa- what I was going to say, what I'm fascinated with is how we're dishonest with ourselves because I sit there on the patio and I watch the 20 hippies and... The thing about it is they all made the effort to come all the way out and sit on this weird platform and just like hang out on the stoop, but they act like they're bothered by each other's presence. Like they act like they're too cool for everyone around them. They act like they're just like, they're on their own for themselves. Like, yeah, I'm here like alone. Like I'm just kind of sitting here and I'm like smoking weed and my dog's kind of running around and I'm just chilling and I'm not talking to anyone. And if you talk to me, I might be like, what? the fuck are you talking to me? are you talking to me man like what, what the what the fuck like why are you talking to me bro like what the fuck bothered you know and then like so if you're so bothered by the presence of these people around you why are you there guy like why are you there like why are you there though why are you not at your house you could be at your house but you got all the way in your fucking car or you walked all the way down here just to sit next to these people, just to not feel alone. It's the same thing as when I what, when I first moved to America and I was still drinking and I would go to bars and sit at the bar top and there would just be other people sitting at the bar, just old men just sitting at the bar. And I would like be like, I, I had this misconception where I was like, oh, I guess I can talk to all these people. And it's like, you can you can talk to them, but you have to do it their way. And their way is that you have to like go to the bar every night for like three or four weeks and then you can say something. But I would just go and sit down and be like, start podcasting, you know? And they would just be like so bothered by me. And then I wouldn't get it because I would, I read it at face value. I read the whole thing at face value where I was like, you are here at the bar top because you don't want to be at home. Because the, the red, the elephant in the room here is like, bro, you're drinking a beer and the markup is like 6X. Like if the point of this one was that you wanted to drink PBR, then why would you pay $7 for a PBR sitting at the bar in the middle of Seattle when you could get a 18 pack of PBR for $7 at Safeway and drink them at your house? Like you... You're clearly here for a reason. Like you clearly think that the 6X markup is worth something. Like there is a thing you want here. It's like how being on a dating app means that you're looking to date, you know? It's like, I don't know. I saw this meme. I saw this meme where it's a screenshot where... Some some guy sent another guy a message and the guy was like, yeah, okay, yeah, but just so you know, I'm not gay. And the first guy goes, okay, but this is grinder. You're on grinder." And then the guy goes, can a lactose intolerant guy not like walk down the dairy aisle? Like, can't you just look? Like, I'm on grinder, but like, I'm just looking, bro. And it's like, what is that dishonesty with yourself? Why is the man at the bar top so interested in being around other people that he will pay uh, a 700% markup on a PBR, but he will also act bothered if you talk to him. Why is the hippie, yeah, you know, 
We just and okay. So now I've over-intellectualized this for more than two hours, but I think now I'm just going to say what the actual answer is. The answer is probably just that we're like these hard-coded little social animals and we just have to be around other people and we're hard-coded to need to be around other people. And we're kind of annoyed also at the same time having to talk to people, but we kind of need to be around other people. And any layer of over-intellectualization that you put over that is false. The truth is just the simplicity of it. We need to be around other people. And that, like, the the weirdness of it is that that also applies to what it is like to hang out with someone. You hang out with someone and all you need is to be around them, but you add this layer of it where you're like, you think you have to talk the whole time. But, like, you don't need to talk the whole time. You can just sit there and get the same results. Because, like, what are you really doing if you go over to your friend's house and you talk for 35 minutes about someone at work who is annoying you, and then you listen for 35 minutes about them talking about some someone at their work that annoys them, and then now you have hung out? Like, couldn't you just have been quiet for that, for that period and achieved the same result? Like, is there some data? Is there some... It, it, no therapy happened. Like, that's not therapy. You're not in better mental health just because you said it out loud. Like, if anything, now you're, like, stewing in the negativity of your bad work relationship more. I don't know. I feel like I'm drifting away from the truth again. Also, I think Maddie is, again, going to feel, uh, like, feel targeted. Bro, you, you're not you're not a target. Speaking of which, so Maddie brought me this other uh, sparkling water here. Now, this is really fucking exciting because Ourobora is one of the most interesting sparkling water brands we've ever reviewed on the, on the podcast. And herbal sparkling water, hello world, it says on the side of the can, and then there's a little bit of copy. From the land to your hand, meet Ourobora. Our sparkling waters are made with herbs, fruits, and flowers for earthly tastes and heavenly feelings. And then if this was me reading from my audiobook, I would have re-recorded it because when I got to the word heavenly, I sort of like had too much saliva in my mouth for a second and it kind of came out like heavenly and it just came out a little bit like I didn't punch the consonant properly and it just was a little bit... It was like the softest of softest of misspeaks. And that's what that's what it's like. That's what it's like, bro. And now we scrap that and re-record it. And that's how you spend seven hours recording 70 pages. And I'm, I have 300 pages to record. And maybe you should just put me out of my misery. But the point here is that this is a very cool sparkling water brand. And they sent me a free variety pack two years ago when I started the podcast. And at that point, they did not have this flavor. Elderflower grapefruit. Flavored sparkling water with real elderflower extract. And I do have a little bit of like, elderflower is in a league of its own. You know, elderflower is part of the old world shortlist. Back in Sweden, we have lime and lemon and elderflower. And we don't have grapefruit, and we don't have all this other bullshit, and we don't have fucking, you know, we don't have hibiscus. We don't have a bunch of nonsense, but we have elderflower. And because I'm proud of elderflower, and because I know that elderflower as a beverage is amazing, when Doug came on the podcast, 
I did Elderflower. And I'm going to have Amanda Anderson on the podcast very, very soon. And I want to get her a good flight. So I, I, a part of me wants to save this and do a real flight with three brands doing the same flavor. But I might just do unflavored three Swedish waters with Amanda. Because <laughs> we'll have nothing to say about it. Anyway, I don't know. Every time I do unflavored sparkling water, I think that we're going to be hilarious and ironic about it. But then you sit there and you drink unflavored water and it's like, wow, I have nothing to say about this. It's very much like looking at this sort of the overwhelming silence of looking at a blank um, Microsoft Word page and trying to start writing. It's the same feeling, drinking unflavored sparkling water. Like, wow, I don't know how to start this. You know, that's what it, this tastes like, I, this tastes like a white blank page in Microsoft Word. That's the only good thing to say about Romlösa unflavored. Okay, let's smell this. Elderflower, it smells like elderflower. Oh, fuck, that's so good. No, 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 no. Oh, I was, my expectations, I just, I took a sip and I felt the joy of good flavor, but that wasn't actually good flavor for my mouth. It was the expectation and the memory and the the explosion of just how I was so primed to be satisfied. But then I, it the flavor actually hit me and it was gross. Yeah, yeah. The, the elderflower and the grapefruit, they're fighting. They're not friends. They are not working together. They are working against each other and it is not working. That is not good. I love grapefruit. I love elderflower. But I cannot stand it when they fight. I cannot stand it when they are not friends. <laughs> okay, yeah. Hey, and that's a little character I just did right there. And maybe if you have a podcast, maybe you can try that character out on your podcast this week. You know, hey, see where it takes you. You know, see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we live to fight another day. Uh, that's a three out of ten. That's no good. That is not good. The first one, though, Jesus. Culture Pop? Culture Pop Soda? Orange Mango Chili and Lime? With their really shitty name? Delicious. Yeah. Okay, so it's now 3.33 a.m., and I, I think I have to just... We got to just call it. I just got to go to bed. Um, Can't believe I recorded a long episode in the middle of the night, and now I even have to edit in a fucking annoying part about, oh God, three different clips from my audiobook where I use different filters on it. Like, do you understand how much work that is? Anyway, I love you guys. Thank you for listening. It's another Rip Roaring episode, you know? I love you. I love you guys so much for listening. I feel so blessed to have found things. To just be a finder of things. I looked so hard. And I deserve to find things, I think. Because I want to be good to people and I want to be a good person and I just want to be happy. And you make me a little bit happy here by just being here with me. We're just McVibing, you know? And then if you send me a message, hey, send me a message about something that has nothing to do with my podcast, and I'll know that we're just McVibing. We're just vibing, and it, it, it's not about exchanging information or your thing 
being irresponsible what I, or winning an argument or being smart. It's definitely not about being smart. It's so weird how I, me and Ingrid would like hang out and we would have these, inc- we would hang out and get so riled up and have these super intense conversations about like super overly intellectual, weird, stupid, you know, I read this book bullshit. And what you re- what we really wanted was the energy of it. But we needed all that, the fucking, the, the running start of having a bunch of ideas and made up bullshit to give it body. I don't know so fucking annoying anyway you're here with me and we've figured it all out we figured it all out it's just this is just our stoop we're just sitting here in the tall grass this is just our fucking cement stoop it's funny because i think in chinese people are more honest about it because there's this there's this word in chinese called now which just means bustling but it's just used a little bit differently where like people are like, oh yeah, I want to go there because it's bustling. People will say that. They just want to go there because there's many people there, which is like not something people say in English. Or they do like, you want to go to the club if it's, if it's popping, but it mostly means that you think that there's going to be women there and maybe you're trying to catch a handful of tit and maybe they're thick girls around and you want to go there because it's popping and popping means that it's like fucking you know you're gonna put like an all camo outfit on and get some women really be styling on them wear like a maga hat anyway in in chinese there's this concept of now where you just people you just people talk more about just wanting to go somewhere where there's lots of people and it just feels more honest. And then I just really felt that. And so, yeah, there's this, the last chapter of the novel I wrote is about that. And it's about, it's a funny comparison to the stoop thing I'm saying, because the last chapter is about how the people of China, they're building towards wanting to one day build a square because every city in China has like a square and it's usually called like People's Square because of the communist heritage. Everything is called People's, you know, People's Daily, People's University, People's Everything, People's Square. So there's a square and it's just where people go and, and it's real now and it's just full of people. And so I just felt like Chinese culture is building towards this distant future where finally they will build the people's last square and that's like what the chapter is about and it's about how everyone in china works together to build this perfect cement square and like the perfection of the flatness of the square symbolizes how well it's going and stuff and and it's just like it's really like that with the hippies like the hippies are really god i it's so funny i like don't really want to describe the novel part good because i feel like everything is a spoiler oh god and i don't i'm not sure if that's the right or wrong way i think in a way it is good to not spoil everything like i think maybe that's true i think it's silly for me to write a novel and then tell you how it ends you know on my podcast why would you but at the same time i shouldn't be so afraid of 
You know, the last chapter is about how Chinese culture is building towards this concept of we're, we want to end up building the people's last square and the tension of how that will lead to a lot of complacency. So some people will want to destroy the square. <laughs> 